Good morning. You're listening to Morning Musings on Divine Mercy Radio with Matthew Hogan. And now, here's Matthew. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Musings. This is Matthew Hogan, and today I'm again joined by Dr. John Hasso from Avimer University, specifically Chair of the Literature and Communications Departments. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about J.R.R. Tolkien, who has been in the news a lot lately because of the recent sort of adaptations of his works. I'm not necessarily what you'd call the Rings of Power, but he's been in the news a lot, both between that and a few other aspects. But we're going to talk specifically today about what he thought of fantasy in his essay on fairy stories. And so to get started, I think we should probably overview the article a little bit for anyone who is not familiar with it. Uh, yeah, and so the uh, on fairy stories is sort of a, a classic of you know the sort of critical aspect you know, as far as uh, fantasy is concerned. It's interesting as far as Tolkien opens up by saying that he doesn't you know plan to say anything definitive, but it's now become a sort of sort of watershed moment in fantasy literature studies. At the same time, it, it does meander a bit, kind of like a fairy river. So it, you know there are definitive sections that you, he lays out, but it's not easy to necessarily diagram because he does sort of repeat himself. He you know opens up with a few questions on, you know, what are fairies? What, is, what does it mean to have a fairy story? Or for some, you know, for a story to be a fairy story? And then, you know, what's the, what are the uses of, of fairy stories? And for me, those are all very interesting questions, but I think that the meat kind of comes towards the back end where he starts laying out his theory of fairy stories, the elements that are in it. Probably one of the major theoretical elements that comes out is the idea of subcreation and human beings being called to this sort of, you know, creative activity and their nature because they're created in the vision of a creator. You know, he defines fantasy itself as part of fairy stories. And then he also talks about these other elements like a recovery, escape, and consolation. And so for me, those are probably the strongest theoretical areas. Although there is one moment towards the beginning where he talks about, you know, when he says the, the three faces of fairy stories, you know, magic and nature, sort of this mysticism towards the divine, and the mirror of scorn and pity towards man. So quick, quick and dirty little bullet point as far as the theoretical, you know, main theoretical sections are concerned. Yeah, because the essay isn't exactly short. It's like, I think it's no. somewhere in the range of like 45, 50 pages long, somewhere in there. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, take you, uh, you know, I think in class we cover it in, in two days, which even then is kind of quick. We could probably spend a, a week or two really carving it up and, and looking at different sections. Yeah, but one of the things that does, does stand out to me is how he approaches the divine. And I think one of the things is there is his Catholic faith coming into play. And I know it's somewhat speculation, but what do you think of that actually being the case? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when he's talking about those three faces of fairy stories and, you know, one of the major ones is the mystical towards the, the supernatural. I think he always sort of feels that in, in any good fairy story or work of, you know, fantasy, there there has to be some element of mysticism there. And mysticism, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, meaning mystery towards certain powers in the world that are ineffable but clearly present and active. And then obviously 
especially towards the end when he talks about like consolation. You know, he coins this term called the eucatastrophe, this sudden turn towards you know goodness, which he explicitly says is you know is motivated by his faith, right? And so he qualifies it insofar as he says, look, yeah, I'm writing this now as a, as a Christian and a Catholic, but in every one of his works and almost any fairy story that you read, at least before you know, before before Tolkien, there's always this this sudden change. This you know the magic lady comes out, the god appears, you know something happens to make everything kind of you know they live happily ever after. You know you were in the class with me, and even in some of the darker works that we read, some of the things that seemed a little more solemn, a little heavy, there's still this sort of moment of oh, and things turned out okay. I was going to just say that, like, one of the things that really always stood out to me is how Tolkien really emphasizes throughout this entire essay, like, the elements of sub-creation and the importance it has in playing into fantasy and fairy story, broadly speaking. And so one of the things that, like, obviously you look at is Tolkien's own works when you think about how he actually applies it. And, of course, the answer is the Silmarillion. Me wanting to work through a reread of the Silmarillion right now, I may not be the greatest to comment on it in my current state of knowledge, but still... I think the aspects that he really puts into the work are profound and really speak to how he talks about creating the world, especially kind of from the ground up and being able to take the reader there. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like, you know, if you read this essay, you know, in light of his own work, I feel like he feels like what he's doing is something that definitely has a spiritual aspect to it, right? You know, when we talked about Lewis, we talked about these sort of other worlds as the world of the spirit, or at least being able to mirror it. And here, I think he definitely sees creation, you know, his creation, what he calls sub-creation, as a spiritual activity, you know, sort of giving it up to God in a way, because he is functioning, you know, as an image of of God, and specifically as an image of God, the Creator. Yeah, and I think that there's one quote where he says that, like, fantasy, or the making or glimpsing of other worlds was the heart or the desire of fairy, kind of really puts a lot into just a single sentence, if that makes any sense, from where he actually kind of goes with all of this. Because Yeah, and it is funny, because, you know, there's a question that we, you know, we talked about in class, and he brings it up here, you know, to what degree fairy is, you know, is this place, is this other place? And so I think there's definitely a, a word of caution that he brings up, you know, making it, he definitely disliked allegory by his own admission, making fairyland or fantasy simply an allegory for heaven or God. And he brings that up here, which is, you know, he's, you know these sort of three paths, the one to heaven, the one to hell, and then this third leading off into fairy. And so he at least plays lip ser- pays lip service to the idea that fairy is this other realm that sort of stands outside of the, the typical Christian idea of heaven and hell. But to what degree he actually believes that, uh, you know, or if he you know, kind of agrees with like Hilary Belloc and G.K. Chesterton in some ways and, you know, sees fairy as what I think Belloc called it, you know, the, the walls of heaven. I'm not sure. I would probably say if you read some of the short stories like Leaf by Niggle, it seems like the beyond or that fairy land just beyond the, uh, the the mountains is somewhat representative of something like heaven. Well, yeah, it's interesting you bring up allegory, too, because in class, when you actually brought my attention to Tolkien actually not liking allegory, is in, like, strict allegory, speaking within his stories, it brought me for the first time into, like, the world of debates, where I've actually looked it up since, where people are like, well, where, like, there's people who argue that characters in The Lord of the Rings, for example, like Aragorn or Gandalf, are strong Christ figures or mm-hmm. propose all of these different aspects of how they actually relate to the biblical narrative. And yet there's also Tolkien who seems to be saying that no, like, yes, there are similarities, but it's not the allegory that people are making it out to be. And I find the entire field of people debating about 
about whether or not there is this strong allegory there kind of fascinating, considering that Tolkien himself seems to say that it's not true. Yeah, no, I definitely, I find it interesting. It's definitely something I'm turning towards, like, just uh, recently, as far as my own studies and research are concerned. Because if you go through his letters, there's, you know, different times, especially when he's talking about, like, say, George MacDonald and Smith by Wooten Major. You know, the story came out of a project where Tolkien was asked to write an introduction to a reissue, a commemorative issue of The Golden Key. And he just kind of said he didn't, you know, he, sure, he would do it, but he kind of finds MacDonald somewhat distasteful because because of his allegory, but he also remembers writing fondly, and he does, re- re- you know, he writes fondly about George MacDonald in On Fairy Stories, the essay we're talking about. Anyway, there's a special issue of Smith and Wooden Major that has some of his letters explaining what was happening, and he just got to the point where he just couldn't write the introduction, and the project fell through, and he is thankful for it, and he wrote this fairy story, Smith and Wooden Major, as what he called the anti-George MacDonald track. And so it's just interesting. It's interesting that you can have a fairy story be an argument and not be an allegory, but if you read through some of his letters, sometimes he's vehemently against allegory, but sometimes he admits, you know, any kind of imaginative work is going to have to have some level of allegory, including his own. So it's hard to distinguish how much he actually rejects the idea of some allegory being in his work. Sometimes he's like, no, 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 it's not an allegory. And sometimes he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, yes, these, you know, the, the Gandalf is kind of like an angel in this world. You know, so. We will now return to the Sunrise Morning Show.